is the place where you promised to be. Not enough, unless you come, will you meet me here again? Cause all I want is all you As I walk now through the valley, let your love rise above everything. Like the sun shaping the shadows, in my weakness your glory
opportunity to share with you a passage of scripture that the Lord laid on my heart this morning. This is from the book of Hebrews chapter 10 verses 35 and 36. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. Faithfulness, faithfulness. 
church. I've seen him move mountains. And because of his faithfulness, I guarantee you, he will do it again. Let's declare this. morning. Welcome to each and every one of you and welcome to our online family. You are genuinely and authentically loved. Genuinely. You are loved by being a part of this family. You are loved by the Lord. And, and during this season of life, uh, we have learned some great lessons together on how you can overcome, right? Um, overcoming is a skill. It's a life skill. And we all are going to need that life skill at some point because you face challenges, things that you may not see happening or have foreseen like what we've walked through. And, and you need something that comes from the spirit, from the heart that empowers you to just keep going on and to believe. That, that song we just finished singing, um, that song has a special place in my heart because um, starting uh, in, you know, of course, about late February, right, life began to change for all of us. And, and I put that one in my run playlist. And so from about February, really even 
through the summer and up till now, I would, I would sing that song. And, and there's a part that's really powerful. I've seen you move. I've seen you move the mountains. And I believe that you can do it again, right? And we're talking about what God can do when we can't do it ourselves. Um, what a powerful song. And, and what's funny is when it would hit that bridge in my run, um, every time I would pick up my pace to a sprint and I would go all out. And, and there were a couple of times where I know that um, some of my neighbors probably thought this guy is crazy, right? Because um, I would say that part out loud. I would be singing that part out loud because there's something about just knowing that God can do what you can't do. There's something about just expressing from your lips that God can do what you can't do. It will invigorate your spirit. It will invigorate your mind. It will guide your thoughts. It will bring, bring strength to your bones, as the scripture says. And, and when you begin to focus on what God can do, where he can do what is impossible for you to accomplish. And you really hold on to that. You believe that he can do it again. What a powerful, powerful song. What a powerful, powerful bridge for our faith. And, and today, as we talk about the power to overcome anything, to overcome anything, Today, I, I want to tell you, um, really, this is one of those gifts that we're going to talk about today. The principle today that we're going to talk about is really one of the gifts that God gives to you and I as people. It's a part of the fabric of your humanity. Remember how we talked about part of overcoming is embracing your humanity, the reality that it is okay to be human. It's okay to be human. And part of your humanity is, right, your, your, your mind. Part of your humanity is your strength. We are gathered today and we're tuning in together because part of your humanity, the way that God has wired you, is your spirit. You need to feed your mind, your body, your spirit. But there's a part of your humanity that really, once it's Fed and you understand this gift is a part of your life, it will help you overcome any challenge that comes your way. And see, God didn't just make us mind and soul and strength. Do you know the part that's missing? God made you heart. God created you with heart. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the heart is the center of the greatest gift of all that God could give to you and I. And it is the gift that empowers you and I to overcome anything. It's the gift of love. And today I want to talk to you about that gift, the gift of love. And I want you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Throughout the course of these months, as we all have battled in different ways, different issues, different challenges, there is one thing that will help you overcome anything. It will help you and I overcome any difficulty that is coming our way. And it is the greatest gift that God gives to people this side of heaven. Listen, salvation is about your soul. And Jesus has done everything that God requires to save your soul, to redeem your mind. 
to help you have an eternal body that is better than the one that we deal with today. But it's all rooted and grounded in what God does in your heart. And the greatest gift of all that God could do this side of heaven, other than salvation, the driving factor for life to overcome everything is the gift of love. And love conquers all. So stand with me, if you will, as we read together 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we're going to read today, I'm going to read from the New International Version. As we read together, the words will be on the screen. And for you in our online family, the words will be there for you. So I encourage you to read along as the Bible says this. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels. So if I'm eloquent and I can speak with good language and my, my speech is perfect. Even if I could do that. But if I do not have love. I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor... And I give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love. I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but love rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. And it always perseveres. Love never fails. Will you pray with me? Father, I, I ask that supernaturally by your spirit that for all of us as your children today, both those who are walking deeply with you by your spirit and those who are struggling in their relationship, wherever we come from, from whatever walk of life and whatever experience today, may we simply know that you love us and that love will help us conquer all. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The greatest gift this side of heaven, other than your salvation, is the gift of love. And when you face moments in life that are deeply challenging to you as an individual... When you face moments in life where even perhaps the expression of love 
that you have felt, whether it's in your home or from someone else or from something else that you placed your love in, even when that struggles, God's love never fails, ever, ever. There's nothing that you can do as a child of God, as an individual redeemed by Jesus in the fallenness of your humanity, in the fallenness of my humanity, in the fallenness of our humanity. There's nothing that you or I can do to run so far beyond the outstretched arms of God. Who's done everything that he possibly can to express his love to us and to save us. In the midst of our humanity, one of the greatest lessons of life for you and I to overcome every season, every challenge, every pandemic, everything that will come your way as an individual, regardless of your background, your culture, your financial backing, regardless of how you process life, the love of God is greater. And it conquers all. Quite frankly, in the last seasons of life, um, what I've made sure to do is to not look for cheap answers to solving life's problems. Do you know what cheap answers are? Cheap answers are what you see on the news right now. Cheap answers are the things that will pull you in for a moment to try to solve a problem but not solve the problem. To try to stir up your emotion or your mind or even things in your body. But they don't solve anything. Why? Because the only thing that will really solve the problems that you and I face in this world is love. The only thing that will fix my broken relationship between me and a brother or you and a sister or someone in your family or home. The only thing that fixes our problems in our world is love. Now our definition of love as people is quite fragmented. It's fragmented because we love so many different ways. So many different things. I mean think about it lately. Who have you said you love lately. Now, now you'll say it to friends. Um, you'll say it to co-workers. Um, you'll say it perhaps to your kids. I hope you do. Grandparents, to your grandchildren, to your spouse, right? The person that means the most to you. But we throw that word around a lot. We throw it around from everything to the best food on the planet, which is present here in New Orleans. We love our cooking. Um, we love our football teams. Uh, we love our hobbies and our recreation. But that's not really love. Why is that not really love? Well, in the Bible, love is expressed very explicitly and clearly in a life-changing way for you and I. The Bible, it's interesting, is very clear about the definition of what love is. Now, now today we have one word, and I, I usually share this in, in wedding ceremonies that I, I do for couples when I do their weddings. You see, in the Bible, there are words for love. 
Um, two of them are used clearly. One of them is inferred and not used clearly. In the Greek, there were three words for love, right? And the three words for love in the Greek, um, one of them is used very clearly. Phileo. And that's brotherly love. That's the word that Jesus uses uh, when he's talking with Simon Peter after Peter's failure. Do you, do you love me? And Peter's response is, Jesus, you know I love you. But the word that Peter uses back to Jesus is very interesting. Jesus, you know that I phileo you. In other words, let's, let's do the social distance, Jesus. Let's do the elbow touch, Jesus. Let's do the fist bump, Jesus. Let's do the cool hug once we're past wearing all the mask and we're not afraid anymore. Let's do the pat on the back, Jesus. I phileo you. We're brothers. We're sisters. Yeah, we're, we're close that way. Um, but that's not really the kind of love that changes a whole lot. The other love that is referenced in Greek culture, and it's kind of insinuated in Scripture, but not nearly as clearly because usually it's twisted. And that is the word eros. And eros is a word used to describe a private, intimate love in a good way between married couples. That's the word that's used, right? So that's the second expression of love. Eros. And eros is something that not necessarily is intended to be twisted, although in our world today it does. It gets twisted. But really it was the private expression, a little deeper than phileo because it was an intimate expression of love between two people who love one another, husband and wife in a married relationship. But that's not really the deepest expression of love either. You get to 1 Corinthians and, and you get a definition of it that is expressed more clearly as an expression of the third kind of love. And that is agape love. And you find that Jesus, when he says, I love you, when he responds about love, it's the word agape. And agape is the total self-sacrifice of oneself. To lay everything that they have and that they are on the line for someone else. They deeply, genuinely love them that much. And what you see in Scripture is that this is not typically expressed between humans. It's expressed sometimes, right? It's expressed sometimes between uh, Husbands and wife, but not all the time, right? Um, you know, on our best days, maybe so, but on our worst days, definitely not, if you're being honest. Um, that's a real challenge for us, but for Jesus, it wasn't a challenge. For Jesus, this is the expression, I will totally lay down everything that I am and sacrifice myself totally for the good of someone else. I love them. And so then when you get into the reading of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if you're like myself, when you go through and read this passage, you begin to go, wow, when I look at love is patient, when I look at love is kind, when I look at love does not boast, when I look at that in my flesh, I struggle to express that. Does anyone else want to be honest and say, yeah, that's hard to do? I mean, when you read this, there are times where you go, yeah, I'm kind, but I'm not patient. Um, yeah, I don't boast, but I get envious. Yeah, I, I don't delight in wrongs, but I'm going to keep a record of it. 
What does that look like? Well, that's not going to be the kind of love that changes anything. So, when I think about how do I overcome, how do you overcome, how do we overcome any circumstance, we have to go toward the greatest gift that God has given and the gift of love. So, what do we do with it? Here's your life lesson today if you're taking notes. I want to encourage you to write this down. I'm going to give this to you. We're going to walk through this passage quickly with a few things. And then we're going to pray and ask God for his love to change our lives. Here's the life lesson. The giving and receiving. The giving and receiving of love empowers us to overcome. The giving and the receiving of love is what empowers you and I to overcome. Love is a two-way street. It's not a one-way street. Do you ever get confused in our city sometimes between which one's a one-way street, which one's a two-way street, and then you end up in the neutral ground, right? You're like, how did that happen, right? Love is not confusing that way. Love is a two-way street. It is both the act of giving and the act of receiving. The challenge in most relationships, if we're honest as people, is that someone in the relationship is the giver and someone else is the receiver. But usually in the relationship, the challenge is that both people are not both equally giving and receiving. Now, don't go nudging your spouse at home. Listen, you watching online, you, you have a little more freedom right now to see he's talking about you and he's talking about you while the captive audience in here, they have to sit frozen and go, oh no, he's talking about me. I'm not talking about you, but I'm helping you understand the power of love to help you overcome and thrive in this world when everything else is a challenge. How can you learn as a person to thrive in the midst of everything? And love as one of the greatest gifts that God can give you. It requires that we both give it and receive it. And if you want the power of love present in your life to actually change things, it begins in the acts of not merely receiving, but also giving. When you think about that and you place that in the context of your home, begin there. And you think about showing love in your home. Love is not always about receiving. Love, it does require a moment that you need to be a recipient, affirmed. You need someone to express that towards you. But it's not only about receiving. The power of love is shown when you give. When you actually respond, when you actually express that back, love is a two-way street. And when you get into the kind of relationship with people where you both give and receive, you can then overcome. It will change your home. It will change how you interact with your culture. So when you think about the world that we live in and the challenges that you've seen that are brought up, and by the way, they are very difficult and they are very real. And I have had to pray and process through those things myself. And you know what I found in most conversations about the issues that we are all facing? I mean, quite frankly, 
Many of you, all of us, I hope, are actually going to vote in a couple of weeks. But I want you to think about it. As you go to the process of voting, you're going to probably make a business decision. That's probably what you're going to do. But are you going to make a love decision? The reality is most of the issues that we face, that we struggle with, that we see in our world, do you know why they're so challenging, why they're so difficult? They do not begin from a position of love. It's not a position of both giving and receiving. It's usually about receiving only. And to only receive is not loving. To only make it about ourselves is not loving. Do you realize anytime you have a conversation with someone, this can be your spouse, this can be your kids, this can be your best friend, this can be a coworker. When you have a conversation with someone else and it begins with an attack, do you really want to continue that conversation? When someone comes against you, you did this, you always, and they come against it that way, is that a conversation or is that a lecture? <laughs> and when you're in a lecture, well, you got enough of those in high school and college, right? That's why you wanted to be done and get on with the career world. Loving relationships, overcoming problems in this world is all about both giving and receiving. And when you give and receive love, when you work together to show love, you actually can solve problems. Isn't that fascinating? That is the power of love. And when I look at it in Scripture, there are some things that stand out to me from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, very popular passage, but maybe some things that we would overlook in our busy lives and not bring love into the present reality of how we deal with things, people, circumstances, decisions, perspectives. So I want to give you four things that will help you practice the giving and receiving of love in your life so that you will be an overcomer by the power of love. Number one, when I think of love, I have to define the object of my love. So number one, the giving and receiving of love requires that, that we, that you and I, that we define the object of your love. Define the object of your love. Now, why would I say object? It's very important when you look at Scripture and you begin to see that the greatest object of love is people. That is the greatest place to express love. But what happens? Why would I say define the object? This is very important. Usually, we give our best selves our best minds, our best effort, our best energy to show love towards something. And usually that something is something other than the people in our lives. So we will love our jobs. There's nothing wrong with you loving your job. You should give your best self to your work. Yes, there's a fraction of that that is true. You may love your recreation, and therefore one of the objects that you give your best resource, your best energy, your best effort to is something that you love, your recreation. 
And so you will give a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of effort toward that. Um, you may love something else. For some people, by the way, they don't have a spouse that they get to spend all their time with. And so that person that we sometimes say, well, love is only reserved for those people in the married relationship. Well, no, there is an object otherwise that their love could be directed toward. What is the object of your love? I mean, be honest with yourself. I have to be honest with myself. Be honest with yourself. What's the object of your love? Do you love food? <laughs> well, yeah, I love chocolate ice cream, right? Do you love food more than you love the more important things in life? Do you love someone else more, perhaps, than you love the Lord Jesus? What's the object? You see, objects are going to get the greatest expression of ourselves. Does that mean we should not be good at what we do? No. There are many of you that are talented with a lot of different things. Be excellent at what you've been given to do. Be excellent at what God has gifted you at. And show some love for it. Give your best to it. But do you love that object more than the more important things in life? Has that object become the greatest pursuit of your life that you are missing out on the greater gift, the greater, more important thing. And that is, there's going to be someone, somebody in your life, and that could be your spouse, your children, right? Your grandchildren. Or if you're in a different season of life, you don't have that as a part. You're not excluded from receiving and giving the gift of love. What is the object? For some, it's the church. And, and therefore, because you're in a different season of life, I, I will give my love to God's church. I will give my best to people because I'm in a different season of life. What is the object where you would self-sacrifice to both give and receive so that you are an expression of overcoming in the name of love? There are objects. And when I look at this, it's interesting because in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, here's what happens when we get the wrong objects but we don't have love. The Bible is very clear. I could speak in tongues. What a confusing and controversial issue for a lot of people in Christendom today. Yeah, it's such a challenge and, and it divides people. And even this writer would express that, listen... You could say, well, I'm better than you because I can do this and you can't. I love God more. I have more of the Spirit because I can do this. Our church is better than yours. Have you ever heard anything like that? I have, right? What a load of garbage and what a divisive way to approach the family of God. And why? Because I could have that. And yet, if I don't have love and I don't give and receive love, I'm worse than the worst drummer in a bad jazz band in New Orleans. Right. Like I am just making noise, but it means nothing. Hey, well, I have this great gift of faith. I, I, I believe God that you can move mountains and, and I believe that I will see it, that you will do it again. And so I have this faith to make these things happen. 
But if you don't show love, your faith means nothing. (laughs) Wait a minute now. Faith is the greatest thing, right? Faith is what saves us. No, no, no. Love is what saves you. It's not that God believed in you and I as people. That's a modern load of garbage. (laughs) I believe in the best in you. I believe that you can do it. I I believe that you can (laughs) until you can't. And that's, that's the challenge of listening to modern reasoning and modern problem solving. It just doesn't work that way. Why? We see the worst in ourselves as people. That's humanity. Total brokenness. Total fallenness in need of perfect redemption. What saves you? The fact that God loves you. That's what saves you. That God was willing to give so that once you are redeemed, he could then receive. Receive what? Do you realize it's a choice to love God? It's a choice to trust God? It's a choice to believe God? That is an expression of you giving back to God what he desires to receive. And we all are created that way, both to give and to receive love. Love is what helps us overcome. And when I look at this passage, I understand so many times we have the wrong object. I believe that I know all mysteries. I could prophesy. Wouldn't it be great if you knew what tomorrow would bring? What if you could look 10 years into the future? How would you live today if you could see 10 years into the future? I mean, if we just took a basic understanding of what we think prophecy means in Scripture. And the Bible very clearly even uses that as an analogy. Hey, you could prophesy and know all mysteries. So if you knew 10 years into the future, what would you do? Well, even if you could do that and had that great and amazing gift to make yourself wealthy or to make better choices or to commit more fully toward a direction in your life, because you knew 10 years from now, it would change everything. Even if you had that and you had not love, you profit zero. That's not a really good investment, by the way. If you spent 10 years working towards zero, I would tell you that probably was not a good direction for your life, right? But if I have love, then all of a sudden, I am somebody and something else. I have a better perspective on overcoming. So the object is not the gift. The object is not just the ability. The object is not always just the person. The object is that I have received the love of God. And because of that, I am going to give it out. What is the object that keeps us as people from loving more fully those around us, in our culture, in our city, in our world? That is how you overcome. Number two, when I look at this passage, I see that I don't only have to struggle through the definition of what I say or who I say that I love. I have to then determine how I'm going to show it. So determine how you will show love. That is a determination. Love is a choice. You don't get to put it on autopilot. 
You don't get to disconnect because you've been married 10, 20, 30, 40 years or no years. You don't get to just say, oh, love just comes naturally. Love is a choice. Love is a determination. Love is a mental assent to what is present in your heart, whether you feel it or not. Love is an overcoming force in our life that goes against everything else. And love, when I determine how I'm going to show it, that's when I begin to see the change in the people around me and in my own life. When I determine this is how I'm going to show it. People will then understand it. They will be able to better receive it. And I will be able to better give it. That works for all of us. And when I look through this passage, I understand that in this writing that Paul gives, if I possess everything and I give my body over to hardship that I may boast, I have nothing if I have love. But there is a love that changes things. And then he describes it. The determination to be patient when you don't want to be patient. Is that hard for anyone else other than me? Yeah. The determination, the perseverance as the Bible describes. Love perseveres. So have you ever walked through the valley of the shadow of death? Maybe lost something or someone that you treasured so much, that object? But the perseverance to know, I'm going to still choose love. Love is kind. How much kindness do you see in our world today? I knew I wouldn't get much response on that one, right? Maybe those of you online, you're going, yeah, I don't see a whole lot, right? As you tune into another commercial or something else on the side of your screen, right? You don't see a whole lot of kindness today. What is that a reflection of? The absence of love in our country. Love from brother to brother, sister to sister, person to person, citizen to citizen. And when you see the absence of love, what you realize is there then becomes this fragmentation of our being, of our relationships, and of our substance as people. That's what happens. Why? Because love is something different. Love is patient. Love is kind. When I look at how I show love, it says it does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not delight in evil. Now, you take that description, and I've already said many times, I as a person, you as a person, we as people, we struggle with being that all the time. But you can also see without the determination to be that in your home in your work, in your resource, in your relationships with other, without the determination to do that, determination, you then see all of it begin to fall apart. That's why love is the greatest gift, the solution to all things. Because the giving and receiving of that helps everyone overcome from wherever they come from. And it requires the determination to say, I'm going to be patient, and that's hard. I'm going to be kind when I don't feel like it. I'm not going to boast. I'm not going to make this about me. I'm going to give and not just receive. You do need to receive, but you also need to give. That is the expression of how we love. 
And we have to determine how we're going to show it. Here's the third thing, though. This one's very challenging because I think so many times in our conversations about overcoming about love, we, we think that love is always about giving. But the third thing that I see about love is that we all have to learn to become a recipient of love. Now, now I'm not talking about always being selfish because we see that the definition of love is that you cannot always be selfish. But one of the greater challenges in life is sometimes loving ourselves, right? Because you may not feel lovable because of something that you've been through. Job transition, relationship challenge, personal challenge, something that's happened to you. So you may not feel secure about yourself. I found that a lot of people during this season of life battle through things like that. Emotionally, right? Internally, yes. And so sometimes one of the hardest things for people to do is not necessarily be in this give and take relationship with others. But to actually genuinely, openly, in a very private place, really feel lovable. It's not that they wouldn't say it. I love you to a spouse or a, or a friend or a co-worker or someone that they genuinely have affection towards. It's not that they wouldn't say it, but deep down internally, sometimes there's within our hardwiring. And I've seen a lot of this during this season of life. People struggle with this. I just don't deserve to be loved. And maybe they've been treated that way. So therefore, it just feeds this whole thing of, I don't deserve it. I'm not good enough. Now, I realize that some of you in the room or online, that's not your problem. But just because you may not feel that way doesn't mean that the person sitting next to you doesn't. Or the person that you're around most of the time doesn't. That is a real fragmentation in the understanding of what love truly means. So how do you overcome that? Learning to be a recipient of love, not just for married couples, but for everyone, by the way. Not just for children, but for all people in all seasons of life. Being able to understand, I am human, I am flawed, I am broken, and I am fallen, but I am perfectly redeemed by a God who knows every flaw, scar, mark, situation, issue in my life, and He loves me and accepts me. He made me just for who I am. And he doesn't reject me when I have lapses of faith or lapses of judgment or a bad day or a deep challenge. I am a recipient of this perfect kind of love that only God could give. Listen, that will help you when you walk through whatever moment, valley, challenge, difficulty, whatever it is you walk through, when you stop and go, okay, there's this perfect love and I need to learn to become a recipient of that. That moves way beyond, way beyond this selfish gimme, gimme, gimme to this real transparent place of the heart where you go, God, I just need your love. I need your help. And for many people, we throw up so many walls because we want to boast. Love does not boast because we're arrogant. I got it all figured out. Love is not arrogant. There is this holy sanctuary of the heart that God has made for all of us, grown-ups, children alike, all throughout season, this holy sanctuary of the heart where we all deeply need as a part of our creation to be recipients of the most perfect love 
of all. And do you know who gives that? Jesus. God. And that motivation within me, within you, within our world, that motivation is what then begins to change how I deal with people in my life. Whether I go through difficulties, I have a different perspective, I have a different background, I have a different situation, it doesn't matter. You then can become a person because you have received this overwhelming, in the sanctuary of your heart, type of love that only God could give. Therefore, then you are able to give a little different perspective to every person and every relationship that you're around. Those are the kind of people that change the world. Those are the kind of people that get things done. Those are the kind of people who overcome irregardless of what they walk through and what life throws at them. And when I read this passage, which is a very popular and memorized passage, so many of us know it from weddings and other moments of like that, other moments like that, we begin to understand a little more deeply today. Love is about knowing who, what I really love, how I'm going to show it, how can I then receive it? Because lastly, number four, verse eight says this, love never fails. My last point is actually a reference to a very dear and personal moment in my life a couple of years ago. And the last thing that we all need to understand about the power of love is that love is the only thing that conquers everything. Love conquers all. I took this passage a couple of years ago, November a couple of years ago, and I actually took it and went back to the original language, the Greek, which, well, it's one of the ways that I learned to read the scripture and I took it and I broke it down and I interpreted it for a very specific situation, very dear family to me. They were walking through literally one of the darkest moments of their life. And as I was going through what I would share with them in this dark moment of life, uh, and I took my Greek New Testament, I broke it down. I realized that as we read this, love never fails. And that's many translations. You will read that in your English. But as I broke it down, I went, man, Love not only never fails, what this is saying is love conquers all. Love conquers all. So when you think about what you have to overcome in your life, love conquers all. Well, well I don't need love. Love can't fix this. No, no, no. Love conquers all. Well, this person left me. Love conquers all. Well, this happened to my body. Love conquers all. Well, well, this person died. Love conquers all. And for this family, it's funny because when they walk through this deep and devastating moment of life, as I shared these words with them, these words became a marker for them. A marker so distinct and dear and personal to them that it's forever engraved in a moment of history for their life. Why? Because when you walk through things that you cannot understand, when you have feelings that are so overwhelming, when, when you don't feel like a recipient of love, you much less don't feel like 
giving it. It's still there. It's ever-present. It's not natural, and it doesn't come from the human place. We're not that good. It comes from heaven. And the love of God is agape, total self-sacrifice of God to pour out to all of us as humanity, regardless of where we come from, what we're feeling, the darkness or the depth of that moment, because God's love is the only thing that conquers all. It conquers our background. It conquers our bias. It conquers all the things that we would say are our reasons to be the people that we are. Love will break down those walls and love will conquer all. So here's the question for you today. Do you know who you love? Do you know why you love? Are you willing to be a recipient of love? Because it is the love of God expressed and poured out to us through his son Jesus that conquers all. You bow your heads, more importantly, your hearts, and let's pray together. God, help us to overcome through love. Father, I am deeply grateful for all of our families, all of our friends, and together, all of our loved ones. Only you can overcome and conquer all. So whatever it is right now that your children are bringing to you in prayer from their hearts, may the power of your love be received in their lives so that they can become overcomers through your love. That is the greatest gift of all. So would you change things beginning in this room and in this online family in each of our lives as we lean in to the power of your love. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So today, if you're here, if you're an online family, and, and maybe you've just never become a recipient of God's love. And that is very simple to do by simply saying, you know what, God, you sent your son Jesus. He was perfect. And he died for my imperfection. So today, would you allow me to receive your love through him? If you ask God for that and, and you receive that, you begin to give that, your life is going to change. And we'd love to hear about it. You can surely let us know. You can surely email us. But that's how it begins to take root and change things in your life. And I, I want to thank you because here's the thing. As you continue to spread the message of God's love, both for those of you in your relationships here in this room, and even online as you share this message with people through your social network, that is one of the most loving things you can do to help others connect to real life so that they can overcome. And I want to encourage you to do that because that's how we all together push through seasons that we just don't get or understand. It's love and it's the power of God's love. 
Thank you for your faithfulness, by the way, and your giving during this season of life. And likewise, for those of you online, thank you for being able to do that. And the instructions on how to do that, we've made that simple for you because that's continuing to allow this church to make a difference in this generation in a new way. And I thank God for how he's doing that. And then one of the things that we say every week, but we're about to do something new. Starting November the 1st, we're going to go back to ministering to all of our families by beginning back our jumpstart ministry from our nursery all the way through fifth grade to all of our children. November the 1st is coming. So as the world's open back up, so too are we. And we're just going to push through. Why? Because we love. We love you. We love your families. We love your kids. Some of you, by the way, that's a time for you to begin to say, you know what? One of the most loving things I can do is volunteer. I can serve. And so some of you, it's time to get re-engaged in serving. We need some people to do that. And if you want to help or you online, you've been sitting at home, but it's time for you to get back into a place of love, of people and service and giving, then come and join us November the 1st. Connect with Pastor Stephen. For those of you in the room, he's here in the back. He'd love to talk with you and he can help you get back into a role as we one step at a time open back things for us as a church, but, but do it out of love. Do it because you love. You love your Lord. You love your church. You love the people around you. And watch how God will continue to change things. Until we see you again next Sunday, may God bless you. May you receive his grace. May his face shine upon you. And may you genuinely, authentically, personally, and deeply experience the love of God for you. God bless you all and good day.
jumpstart. Today is an incredible day. It's a special day because A, I'm in a little bit of a different location than you may normally see me. But I did that because today is an incredibly special story. Over the past few weeks, we've been talking about the life of Jesus. Specifically, the last few moments in Scripture that we spend with Him. We've talked about the Last Supper, His entrance into Jerusalem. We talked about His betrayal and arrest in the garden. And last week, His crucifixion. But I'm thankful to say this morning that the story of Jesus doesn't end on that sad note. We talked about what the crucifixion means for us, that Jesus died and he took our place. But today is the follow-up to that story. Because Jesus died on the cross and he was buried in a tomb, but he didn't stay there. The Bible shows us in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, that the story ends with Jesus raising from the dead. That Jesus was in the tomb for three days. And then two women, they came to the tomb where Jesus was buried. And on the way to the tomb, they begin to ask each other the question and say, hey, how are we going to get this giant stone out of the way to see Jesus' body? But when they approached the tomb, they recognized and realized something. The stone was gone. The women approached the tomb and peeked in, and there was no one there. And the Bible tells us that an angel spoke to them, and he said, Why do you look for the living among the dead? See, Jesus had told his disciples, not flat out, but he had told them in different ways, that he would raise from the dead. And the disciples, I mean, come on, let's be honest, they had a hard time believing that, a hard time wrapping their minds around that idea. But Jesus showed again that he was who he said he was. He rose from the dead and he defeated death. The punishment that he took for us, he defeated it. He made a way for us to know him, to have a relationship with him. The Bible tells us very clearly that through Jesus' death, his burial, and most importantly, his resurrection, that we can have eternal life that we can have a relationship with God today. That we don't have to remain separated from Him, but we can feel and know His love in a relationship with Him that's available for every one of us. The Bible says that we simply must believe. And then when we do that, we will be saved. Today, as I stand outside, I'm thankful for the resurrection of Jesus because it shows us and proves the, in the ultimate way that he was who he said he was and the promises that he made, they were real and they were true and we can cling to them and hold on to them no matter who we are, no matter how old we are or how young we are. Jesus' resurrection changed everything. Happy day, happy day, you wash my sin away, oh, happy day, happy day, I'll never be the same. The greatest day in history, death is beating you, how rescued me, sing it out. 
Jesus is alive The empty cross, the empty grave Life eternal, you have won the day Shout it out, Jesus is alive He's alive Wash my sin away, oh, happy day. 